this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Well, it's really good to be here this morning. Uh, it's good to be back, actually. We've been away the last couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, we were uh, in Stoke. Uh, I was speaking at Grace Church Stoke. It's uh, another uh, church that we work with as a team. And it was just so good to see what God is doing uh, over there. Uh, and then last week, I was speaking at Derby City Church, just around the corner, so with the good friends uh, there and uh, once again it is good to to be with them and to see what God is doing with them uh, as a church family as well but it's really good to be back here and, and see you all and it's good to have tea back as well where did she go tea's here somewhere I saw her she that where is she there you are hey fantastic tea is uh, doing a year at the worship school in Horsham and uh, it's just great to have you back for the weekend, so welcome. And nice to see you and hear you singing once again as well. Very good. Okay, so we're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, if you're joining us this morning, you're very welcome. And uh, we've got to chapter 3, and uh, we're going to spend uh, our remaining time together um, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Quite how much of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 we get to look at remains to be seen. But we'll make a start anyhow and see how we get on. So we've got to verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and uh, verse 16. Don't you know, says Paul, that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple... God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he shall become a fool, so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence with us this morning, and uh, we thank you now for your word to us. And as we spend the remaining time together looking at it, we pray that you would speak to us by your Spirit. Come and apply it to our lives, both individually and together as a church. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our recently edited vision statement as a church describes Jubilee as follows. To be a vibrant community, shaped by the Spirit, equipped by the Word, and sent to the nations. To be a vibrant community, shaped by the Spirit, equipped by the Word, and sent to the nations. So right at the very heart of uh, of who we are, 
right at the very heart of what we want to be doing is to be a people shaped by the Spirit of God. So this morning, God's been speaking to us about being transformed by the Holy Spirit, by being, about being transformed by His power. And really what we're looking at here is, is along similar lines. And we'll see why in a moment. So life in the Holy Spirit to us is really important. We want to be a church that is shaped by the Spirit, but also equipped by God's Word, both His written Word to us and the living words in Jesus Himself. So here in this passage in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about God's Spirit living in us. But before we get to that, we need to go back to Old Testament times to understand the context. Because Paul says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? Now, context is really important. Whenever we read scripture, we need to understand what the writer is saying, to whom he's writing, uh, what picture language, if any, he's uh, he's using. uh, You know, any context or background helps us to understand what we're actually reading. So Paul says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? So Paul's referring here to the temple. And it's really important to understand just a couple of things about that. Let me ask you a question. In the Old Testament times, where on earth, where on earth did God dwell? Well, the answer to the question depends really on what part of the Old Testament you're looking at. So at the beginning of Genesis, we find the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The garden that he had created, walking there, dwelling there in the garden. By the time of Moses, God's dwelling place is a tent. Exodus 33 tells us about the tent of meeting as it's called. Moses would go there to meet with God. And as Moses went in, the pillar of cloud that had been leading the people would descend while the Lord spoke to Moses. We're told in Exodus 33, verse 1, that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Tim, just come up here a second. So I I could speak to my, my friend Tim. I could speak to him Face to face like this, we can have a conversation like, Tim, how's your week? We, we talk about things, we talk about what's going on in our, in our lives. Exodus tells us, as a man speaks with his friends, the Lord spoke with Moses. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Thank you. Welcome. It's good. <laughs> you don't have to say anything, it was fine. <laughs> so normally is, I just rub it on and you listen and go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we tell us how the Lord spoke to Moses. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. Unsurprisingly, we're also told that when Moses would come out, his face would be radiant. So much so he had to wear a veil and blind everybody. A little bit later, Moses is instructed to build a tabernacle tent where God would dwell. And in Exodus 40, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle so much so that even Moses couldn't get in. Once the Israelites had finished their desert wanderings, they settled into the promised land. 
And uh, when we get to King David, he gets to a stage in his life where he starts to think about building a temple, a permanent dwelling place for the Lord. Now, God tells him that he's not the one to do that, but rather his son is. And so sometime later, Solomon gets to build a temple for the living God. 1 Kings chapter 5 and 6. It takes him seven years to build it. And in 2 Chronicles 6 and 7, we read of the dedication of the temple and we're told that fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and sacrifice. So we sang earlier, fire fall down. That's what happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 when Solomon's dedicating the temple. Fire falls down, consumes the burnt offering and sacrifices. And again, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So much so, that this time the priests couldn't get in to do what they should be doing. God's presence now dwelt in the temple. And so to skip the rest of Old Testament history and jump into Paul's time, the Jewish people would have been familiar with this notion of God dwelling, his presence being in the temple. They would have understood that. So what does Paul say to this church in Corinth that we've got this letter that he's writing to them? He says this, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Actually sounds like a bit of a rebuke, doesn't it, really? Don't you know? And you can imagine Paul sort of saying, come on, don't you know? Don't you get it? Can you imagine him having told them this before and having to repeat it once again? Don't you know? Don't you remember? Don't you get it? It's such an important truth that Paul wants to underline it. What is it? It's this. He says to the church in Corinth, you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you. You see, this is not an individual word that Paul is writing. Remember, he's writing to a church family, a church community, a gathered group of people. He actually uses a plural word for you. It's a word we don't have directly in the English language. It's like saying use. We we wouldn't use it like that, would we? But that's what he's saying. Use. You know, you plural. You together. You lot, he might say (laughs) in in our culture. He's saying you together, you lot, you are God's temple. And God's spirit lives in you. And you know what? Paul would say the same to us this morning. You, together, are God's temple. And his spirit lives in you. You, plural, are where God lives. Think about it. God's temple, his dwelling place, where his presence is. So in previous times, God's presence was in a tent. Then it was in a temple. Now we're told that God's presence is in his church. Amen? So you, together, us together as a community of God's people, 
are the dwelling place of God. So important, dear friends, that we, we understand this. And when people challenge the relevancy of the church or think, oh, it's not really that important. Of course it's important. It's the dwelling place of God. It's where his presence is. Don't you know, says Paul, don't you get it? Haven't you heard? You, you together are a dwelling place of God. And it's pretty clear, he says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. He's talking about the importance of the local church. He's saying how valuable it is to God. He's saying how important it is in his plans and his purposes. Elsewhere we're told that the church is the bride of Christ. So important, so central is the church to God's eternal purposes. We're the dwelling place of God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? It's why a few chapters later, Paul can say this to the Corinthians. He says, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they're convicted of sin and are brought under the judgment by all as the secrets of their heart are laid bare. They'll fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Why? Because we're the dwelling place of God. Later in his letter, Paul picks the thing up again and explains how important it is to live right because we're now the dwelling place of God. We'll come back to this when we get to, get to chapter 6. But you know, the thing about a temple is it's a pretty visible thing, isn't it? So I was sitting with one of our kids last night. I was looking at some photos of London on the computer. And uh, I was just saying, you know, there's the Houses of Parliament, and there's Buckingham Palace, and there's Big Ben, and there's the London Eye. There's St. Paul's Cathedral. Great building in the, in the centre of our capital, of our nation. Now, people know where it is. It's a visible thing, isn't it? That's true of temples. They're visible things. But us, you and I, we're like portable temples. Now, the temple, once it was built, couldn't move. You know, I know the tent moved to carry it. But once the temple was built, that was a pretty solid structure. It wasn't going to be moved onto the next place. But you and I, we're like portable temples. Wherever we go, God's presence goes too. You transport the very presence of God as you go. Isn't that amazing? You see, we're only God's dwelling place corporately if we understand that's true for us individually. So the obvious question to ask is this, does God's Spirit live in you? Does His Spirit live in you? Have you been filled by the Holy Spirit? We were looking at this subject this week as we uh, gathered a few people together on our membership course that John talked about a little bit earlier. And uh, we, we go over some of the foundations of the Christian faith uh, over those couple of evenings. 
And we were talking about being filled and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And yes, it's true, you can only come to Christ. You can only come to him because of God's work in you by his Spirit. It's his initiative. I know we often use the phrase, I became a Christian at, or I went forward at a meeting, or I had an hour, or I did something. You did do something, but actually all you did was respond to what God was doing in you already, by his Spirit. So yes, for you to even respond to Jesus is as a result of the work of the Spirit in your life. But, to go on from there, have you been totally filled with the Holy Spirit? The Bible uses the word baptised. John talks about baptisms that we're doing in a few weeks' time. When we do baptisms in like a swimming pool or a big body of water, people go all the way down. On a good day, they come all the way up as well. It's okay, we haven't lost anybody yet, don't worry. Don't think about being baptised. But you're totally immersed, totally drenched. Nobody that I've baptised ever comes away saying, I'm not sure if I was baptised. Did it? I can't, I can't actually, did, it, did I get wet or not? I'm not really too clear about it. They know. They come out as a drippy wet. I remember getting baptised, age 15, something like that. You know, I came out of the pool dripping. I knew I'd been baptised. I'm totally immersed, totally covered. Let me ask you, have you been totally immersed, covered, baptised, filled with the Holy Spirit? In Acts 19, Paul arrives at a group of believers in Ephesus. One of his first questions is this. Acts 19, verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? You know, I think in our type of church, where we value the presence of God, we, we so value uh, a ministry of the Spirit, and we talk often about that, we can assume that everyone is baptised in the Holy Spirit. We can assume that everyone's through on that. But I don't think it's the case, because we're all at different points in our journey. You're all at a different point in your journey with God. Some of you might just be looking in, just thinking, well, I've come as a friend. Maybe you've come to celebrate Elizabeth this morning. I think, I'm just looking in. I'm not sure I believe the same things, but I'm observing, I'm looking in. You're at a particular point in your journey. Others of you might be going, I'm actively seeking. I'm searching for some answers. I want to find out more. You might be there on your journey. You might be in a place where you're saying, hey, you know what, I became a Christian a few weeks ago. And I'm just right at the beginning of my journey with God. That's great. Others of you might be saying, well, I've been a Christian for for years. I've been walking faithfully with God for, for many years. See, we're all at different points in our journey with God. But we need to make sure we're still asking this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed. And very often, people answer that question, oh, I say, oh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. And I think sometimes we can get too hung up on trying to find out, or did they or didn't they? My suggestion is we just pray anyway. Because actually, we all need more of God's presence. We all need more of his spirit. So it might be that for the very first time that you need to receive, or it might be that Actually, you're coming back to God and saying, I I need more of you, Lord. 
the truth is that all of us need more of God. Whether we've been walking with him for years or whether we're right at the very start of our journey with him. Actually, we all need more of him. We all need more of his presence. In Ephesians, Paul talks to the church in Ephesus. He says this. He says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, or better, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And you see, it's not just a one-off occurrence. It's not a, oh, I was filled with the Spirit back in a meeting in 1990-something, way back in the mists of history. No, what Paul is saying, actually, if you look at the original text and the original language of this, the better translation, it doesn't flow so well in English, but a better translation is this. Go on being continually filled with the Spirit. Every day, go on being continually filled with the Spirit. So as we begin to wrap up this morning, I want to ask you a question. And it's this. Are you going on being continually filled with the Spirit? Is that your daily experience? Is that your everyday occurrence? Not just, oh, I remember way back when in a particular powerful meeting or a Bible camp or a youth, whatever it might have been. No, no. Is your everyday experience being continually filled with the Spirit? Because that's what God wants for you. That's what the Christian life is meant to be about. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life, life in all its fullness. And Jesus didn't just come to secure your eternal destiny, although that's important, but he came to bring life. Now. Not just eternal life when you die, but life everlasting now. By his Spirit. So the Christian life is not just about getting through just about making it to the end and then dying and being with Jesus. It's about life in all its fullness now. Joy in the Holy Spirit now. The dwelling place of God now. That's what God has for us. And friends, we need to understand it personally in order that it can be true for us corporately. You together are the dwelling place of God. And he wants your personal experience to be one of power and life in the Spirit. So as the band could come up, please, I want to give us an opportunity this morning to respond and to ask God to fill us afresh. Because the reality is that for those of us who are Christians this morning, we need more of God whether we've been faithfully walking with him for years or just at the beginning of our journey. And actually, if this morning you're just here looking in and you're thinking, well, I've, you know, just here are some friends, just wondering what all this is about, just asking some questions, 
And I want to invite you this morning too to consider that what we're talking about is the result of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the truth is that he has done everything required to make that relationship possible. All you need to do is to ask him to be your Lord and Saviour and surrender your life to him. And in doing that, and allowing him that place of lordship in your life, he invites you into a relationship in order that you might know life in all its fullness as well. Let's stand together. I'd love us to, to worship as we close and as well as that I want to give us an opportunity to respond and the response I think is this if you'd like to receive more of the spirit this morning if you'd like to be freshly filled freshly full of his power then as we worship, as we sing in a moment the band are going to lead us I'd love to invite you to come and join me at the front and then we're going to pray and as we pray believe that God's going to come and fill you afresh with his spirit does that sound good? so let's pray Lord Jesus we thank you for your presence God we thank you for the truth of your word that we together are the dwelling place of God thank you for the centrality of the church in your eternal purposes and God we pray now in these moments that Lord Jesus we might encounter you afresh by your spirit that you might come and you might fill us once again for your glory we ask it in Jesus name Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.